I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Joining me on the other line, lounging adjacent the satellite branch from scenic Hamilton, Ontario, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Why have I never actually tried to lounge before? Uh-huh. I feel like... I should I could develop some sort of lounging mechanism because really I'm actually sitting up pretty straight with good posture. Um, do you think you could project your voice properly from a lounge position? I, I think so. Or I could just get one of those. I mean, I probably have to make it pretty janky because I don't have any money, but I could make like an arm for my <laughs> microphone and like put right into my face. One of those Victorian chaises. Or something. Listen, if you think you can do do it without sounding like you have a slice of ham in your cheek, then by all means, go, go, maybe, go for it. Maybe we'll go for it. I think we should. Who knows? Maybe next time. So, summer project. You're a homeowner <laughs> now. You got sp- you got space for furniture. Make it happen. Up <laughs> for the new and improved and horizontal Geek Down podcast. Friends. Hey, everything's improved horizontally. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Friends, this is episode 281 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 280 episodes. My God, so many. So many. have been toiling in the content minds for you week in, week out. If you want to get caught up, if you're behind, I know a lot of you are. I hear it from y'all. I hear you're behind. But you go wherever you get your audio content. SoundCloud. Spotify, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a little rate, review, follow, subscribe. Won't matter if you've fallen behind or not, because new episodes will continue to be brought to your device from the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip by a man who's sometimes late, but always worth the wait, and that's your man's. Dr. Chauncey Frostilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Just sprinkling those episodes directly into your device. You don't have to do anything else. Listen. You never know what the day is going to bring. Today, gray and shitty here in Toronto. Yesterday, sunny and beautiful. You never know what it's going to be. Sometimes you just got to drop whatever you're doing and get out into these sunshiny streets. Ain't got time to be keeping up on a podcast. Yeah. And like, even when it is terrible, with all the content out there, I understand that we're down the list. I get that. No hard feelings. We we get it. Chauncey gets it. Damn, son. Caitlin and Chauncey might get it. Jordan is furious. (laughs) If you'd, like, if you'd like to explain yourself for why we've fallen so far down your content priority list, we're still there for the time being. We'll see. Over at Elon's favorite child, twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up off Twitter. Who knows? Catch us over on. Do you know Do you know that man has like a ton of kids? <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised. He has a ton of kids. It's- it's like, it's a lot. I, I'm not, I don't see. I feel like it's like eight, like it's way too many, but I don't know for sure. But now I have to look it up because, you know, I don't want us to get banned from Twitter because of some sort of horrible thing I've said. <laughs> of course, it'll be you. That's why we get banned on Twitter. You've never tweeted on the show page in your life, but somebody will listen to an episode and I'm going to have to eat all the static for it. <laughs> it's so apparently seven children. Seven children. 
It's the exact number that Madonna Ferguson had in her life. So, I mean, Elon Musk and uh, French Catholic matriarchs. Same number, there we go. Same number of kids. Friends, yes, if you'd like to explain yourself or let us know uh, how your anime viewing is going uh, this year, this season, Twitter.com is the place to be in the short term. And after that, if we bounce from there, I don't know. See you when we see you. Apparently, uh, Discord is the thing. Should we have a Discord? Uh, I don't know. Apparently, it's a thing. Like, everybody's got a Discord. Uh, Someone said that the other day, and I was like, do they? Do you? Do people have Discord? Do you guys have Discords? Should we be on Discord? I don't think we should, but you never know. remember for 15 minutes in lockdown where I thought maybe I wanted to start Twitch streaming. (laughs) A whole 15 minutes. It was a whole 15 minutes. That's amazing. I was watching Miranda Sanchez do her very peaceful uh, stationary <laughs> stationary hull vid. And I was like, I could do this for records. Um, and then I read like one article about it and I was like, that's too much money and effort. Um, <laughs> friends, if you, should we be on Twitch? Should we be Twitch streaming? Would you watch a Twitch stream? Only one way to help us get there. You got to support this endeavor financially. That's a ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Three bucks at a time. Get us to Twitch partner. <laughs> I, I only, in fairness, Grandpa only tangentially knows any of the words he's saying right now. Where am I? I'm so old and confused. Stop. I know, I know some of the words because <laughs> of, of Dungeons and Dragons. Together, together, we maybe know 60% of the words. Yeah. Friends, forewarned. As we said last week, that was a very beefy episode. I know we're all about beefy boys only. Beefy boys only. As it says on our Twitter bio, because I'm a man of my word, and I changed that shit. I was so excited. I was so happy when you sent me that picture. It made my day. The at is still Geek Down Pod, but the the name is Beefy Boys Only. So that's how Jordan and Kate get down. Because it was a beefier episode last week, and because we're recording later in the weekend, just due to circumstances, life, how things be sometimes. Listen, Someone Cute's birthday week is officially here, so Listen. My Saturday was booked with tacos and burritos. <laughs> I'm leaving space for air horns because birthday weeks demand air horns. Nobody pays on birthday um, week. Nobody pays on birthday week. Um, yeah, I just, um, for me, it was just life. That was it. <laughs> just life stuff. It wasn't anything exciting. I wish it was. I wish I could be like, yeah, we like, something cool happened. No, my Amazon packages didn't arrive. What? wasn't feeling well um i only watch one thing now so yeah not there's not a lot going on i feel like this is gonna you know be for boys only but also there's a there's maybe a some space for, <laughs> so, beefy, for like you know boys and slender men that's all, that's all yeah, yeah, yeah there we go beefy boys and slender i was like i don't know a geeky no because geeky's gonna be chilly i was but slender man there we go yep that's it. That's where we're on that spectrum. Beefy boys and Slenderman. Um, yes, just just mass disappointments. Uh, I told this story off mic, but as I was telling it, I was like, "Good story, good story to tell for the people." Um, friends, brief moment of sickness talk. I do have a news item I want to follow up on. It's a, it is essentially a follow up to something we talked about last week. But um, I had my outing to the downtown Toronto record show on last Sunday. It was a fine time. If Caucasity was at an all-time high. <laughs> oh dear. Woo. 
God, can we just say white people ruin everything? Do you like punk seven inches? Hope so. That's all they got. Again, everybody thinks it's an overwhelming thing to go to a record show. Not for me, because every table has like 17 crates of classic rock and prog and King Crimson. (laughs) And there's one itty bitty little crate at the end that has jazz or soul or disco or God forbid hip hop. What? Um, What? And the few sellers that do that dedicated, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not as crowded. And sometimes you can just find the people who you know are your people. You find a couple young kids, you find an Asian kid and a black kid together who are digging and they're probably like amateur beat makers. You just kind of follow them around because you know they're looking for breaks and beats and shit and they're going to be... <laughs> They're oh my gonna, god, is this the live version of an uh, album cover kind, group? Kinda. Like, yeah, there literally was a black kid and an Asian kid, and they were they were clearly partners, and they were like I saw what they were grabbing. It was pretty it was it was beginner intermediate, shall we say. Um which is good enough for when they pick out one record. I was already gonna buy from this guy because he he had one thing I uh saw that I wanted, and they had little cute notes. On everything. I always appreciate that. If I don't know what a record is and you put a little cute note on it, there was a 12 inch. I don't oh. remember the artist, but the 12 inch was called This Beat Is Mine. And the note said, This beat could be yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I would uh, see, I would be terrible because I just buy things on principle. I'm glad I, ha- I have to buy it now. I have regretted it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I should have bought that 12 inch. I don't even buy 12 inches. Um, but yeah, it's good enough so that when. The kids have got like an Isaac Hayes record and some record by, I don't even know what the hell his name. I bought it. I don't remember the name. Uh, Eddie Russ or something like that. And the guy is like, no, that's the one to buy. You'll see Isaac Hayes everywhere. That other one, you're not going to see. You're not going to see as much. And they put it back. And he had already complimented my uh, Amoeba Records uh, record tote that someone cute bought me when she was back in California. I always get compliments on it. Um, He was like, is that Amoeba back? I'm like, it is. And then I pulled out the record the kids put back and I was like. I had no idea what it was. He was like, I said, you going to bat for this? And you just gave me the like, oh yeah, nod. And I was like, fuck it, I'll take a chance. And it was a good chance, Caitlin. It's fucking flames. <laughs> so good. See, that see, this is I understand this part of the sickness, this like hunt. This is like my find the murderer kind of thing. Like it just feels so good when you got it. Like a re- a record show a record show is interesting because those are the moments where I will take a chance on something weird that I've never seen before. Um, and this was a, this was a great poll and I'm sure it's a poll that like, you know, real heads know I went to Hisa later that afternoon and was showing him what I bought cause he couldn't go. Um, and he saw that record and he was like, Oh yeah. And he knew it and he compared it to something else he'd put me up on once really like hyper, like jazz fusion type stuff. Parkdale is excited for jazz fusion. <laughs> um, all that is to say for me, it was a rather tempered, uh, outing because for months, I have had April 27th circled in my calendar app because that is when yes. mm-hmm. the pressings, the vinyl pressings, first ever vinyl pressings of the Samurai, official, legitimate pressings of the Samurai Shampoo soundtracks, first two of four, were coming out. Now, I have a bootleg of Shampoo music. It's an anthology. It's a three LP set. It was legitimate at one time. One of the guys, so Shampoo had four producers on it. One of the guys was an American named Fat John. Fat John had a label. He put out on his label a collection, an anthology, a sampling, 3LP of music from Champlou. And that was the only thing there was forever. And it has been bootlegged into oblivion. I have a bootleg. It sounds fine. I don't have the ears or the setup to notice if it sounds terrible. 
but these are the legits, Caitlin. It's going to have everything on it. There are songs that are missing on this bootleg. There are some of my favorite Ooh. songs. This is, pe- this is peak Nujabez stuff. Like, the, honestly, listen. Lo-fi exists because of Samurai Shampoo. Don't steal that article. Ooh. I'm going to write that one day. Um, <laughs> I'm going to bug you about it now. So, I I, have, I won't go into all the like setups and levers and the widgets and shit that I set up in advance of a, a Japanese release. Suffice to say, none of it worked out. <laughs> none of it worked out. Um, my man Koichi at HMV Shibuya let me know that they were trying to get more. My fear is that they only pressed as many as they had pre-orders for, and so now it's just like immediately like straight to straight to. I feel like that's crazy. It is crazy, but it's Japan has been known to do this. And my fear is it's just going to be straight to gouge prices forever, like zero to two hundred. Like the only ones oh. I see now are like two hundred dollars. So I mean, I'm going to keep an eye on um, HMV, and maybe they get some more in. We'll sell them at retail. The level of diligence that will be required there <laughs> will be. Yeah, well, admirable. See, <laughs> I guess your skills, honing your sickness skills. Listen, the only good thing about getting up at. 3 a.m. every day for work is it means it's 4 p.m. in <laughs> Tokyo. Um, but all that is to say, friends, I tell you this story because I want to tell you <laughs> about a, a mindset, a thing that happens in your brain. I haven't done this for the record, but it happens in your brain. And everyone I know who has the sickness understood this immediately. And that is when you look, when you look at these fucking heathens who are scalping these records at $200 a pop, $250 a pop. You're like, I'm not spending $500 on two records. Right. Fuck you. I'll take $500 and spend that on a bunch of records. I'll show, <laughs> I'll show you. Oh, man, I'll show you. You're not going to get my $500. He'll get my $500. Look how much more I got. <laughs> I win. <laughs> what? Ah, uh, yes. <sighs> it's funny. The most consistent man at work found out we had a major Canadian retailer sold um, you see them on Instagram ads sometimes. They're essentially, they're not full-size arcade cabinets, but they're like two-thirds size arcade cabinets with right. like little emulator ROMs of like old arcade games, whether it's um, the Simpsons arcade game or any of those like four-player multiplayers from like the early, mid-90s. You know, Children of the Atom, X-Men, Captain America and the Avengers, you know, all those classic water park, <laughs> you know, bowling alley water park uh, mainstays. And Love it. You know, he found out. He's like, he's like, I understand completely. I found out those arcade cabinets existed, had an existential crisis, said, I'm not paying $800 on that. Well, now I have $800 to spend. <laughs> we are stupid people. Yeah, no, I just, uh, I, I get poor brain, but like Uno reversal. Like it goes from, <laughs> it goes from like, I can't buy myself anything because I'm saving it for all these things. And, you know, we have a bunch of stuff to do for the house. And then I get to a point where I'm like, well, but it's okay though. Like I'm an adult. I'm, I'll get a tax refund. Like <laughs> I, it's okay. I, I should buy myself some nice things. And then it's like, Things I definitely don't need, but it's just like, you know, it's the treat yourself mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, treat yourself because you've had a really rough go of it lately. And at the time, I'm like, you're right, Caitlin. I have had a rough go of it. I should do this for myself. You and then 
like two weeks from now, I'm going to be like, why did I buy these stickers? I'm not a child. <laughs> but they were so much fun and they're scratch and sniff or they're sparkly um, or I can use them in my journal. Like I, it just, it's, yeah. And it's never anything like it's not $500 worth, but it's still like, I really didn't need this thing. But at the and time, that's, and that's the thing. And one one la- one last talk about sickness and just you know the mental health element of it in general. Um, I I did have a moment where I was doing the dishes and just furious by this turn of events. <laughs> just because, like, I had my system set up, I had I had you know reserve notices in and other other retailers. Like, I had missed the pre order. Okay, I, that's on that's on me. Sorry, I'm not stalking r slash anime vinyl <laughs> every day so i missed the announcement that these pre-orders were coming out by like three weeks and they would and the pre-orders at that point were sold out everywhere and you know the my internal logic is like okay well those are just pre-orders stores are going to get not just pre-orders they'll get store stock and i should be able to skirt in there and get get a copy um it didn't work out that way and just trying to realize why, why i'm furious why am i furious well okay Okay, okay. It's not like you can't ever listen to this music. You have digital copies. You have a bootleg. You can put them, you can listen to vinyl of this music if you feel like it. It is readily available multiple places. It's on Spotify, which is a bummer, but I mean, you know, it's, it rips on YouTube and you have a digital copy. You could throw it on your phone if you really wanted to listen to it that right. badly. So why is this tripping you up so much? Just because what you want to stun on Instagram? Which, real talk, is always part of it. You always want to stun on Instagram a little bit <laughs> for the other, for the other vinyl people you have on your feed. Sort of like, oh man, good cop. I know. What am I in high fidelity? Like, what? Why? Why do I feel the need to do that for? Like, I need strangers in Philadelphia to validate my taste. Like, I'm not in high school. I don't need to be doing that. Well, it's it's. We know why you need to do that. Because you're sick. I have a sickness. No, the bummer. The bummer is just because most of the every time I like go real hard on some of these things is because it is music that has a represents a distinct place in my life, which the, which the Sean Plouf soundtracks do. That was that lost year when I was in Kingston, first time away from home that far, right? A couple of years before I met Caitlin, and finding Sean Plouf and just being on bulletin boards and just downloading torrents and torrents of this music. Um, that's why I wanted them, but I don't need them. And you sometimes need to be able to interrogate what is actually upsetting you about why you can't do this thing mm-hmm. and be able to come to terms with it a little more and not reactionarily <laughs> drop three bills on just random other stuff that I still would have really wanted. The new Eerie album is freaking fire. Anyway, um, the point we were trying to make like 20 minutes ago is that this will probably be a uh, snugger episode after after the beefy boy that was the anime preview last week. But we're sure you're rocking with us regardless. Moving on with a follow-up, like I said, to something we talked about last week, that being uh, the state of Netflix. Yeah. 
We don't have any updates as much as we have contexts, and this comes from uh, number one assassin Kim Masters at The Hollywood Reporter. This is maybe not as exciting as, I mean, it's no Chapek check-in, but it is, <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a um, alliterative uh, topic marker for this, but, but the story that Masters tells here in this article is kind of of a two opposed business models, neither of which are sustainable, um, and two, the two executives in charge of them. So up until recently, a woman named Cindy Holland was kind of in charge of television development there and launched a lot of, was behind a lot of the like, you know, early hits, House, okay. of, Car House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things. Um, but as there became a focus on just mass growth and global, you have the arrival of a executive from CBS and Universal in 2016 named Bella Bajaria as the head of unscripted and international content. Ooh. So you have Cindy Holland on one side doing the expensive originals and uh, Bella Bajaria on the other side doing what is called in this article at one point uh, from an off the record interviewee as the Walmartization of the Netflix catalog. Ouch. Um, this is a very good piece for tea <laughs> um, because there is a lot of schadenfreude in the town regarding Netflix's struggles because right. Netflix had a, a bit of arrogance to them when the mm. pendulum was swinging their way and it seemed like they could do no wrong, largely on the strength of uh, what Cindy Holland did. Um, sort of concluding the the, the interesting what the one interesting pull quote from this is that one of the last shows Holland worked on was Queen's Gambit, um, ah. which everyone at the time referred to as Holland's Folly in at Netflix. Not sorry, oh. not everyone. Some in house, according to Masters, called Holland's Folly because they were like it's too expensive, it's too weird. Um. A lot of people on Bajaria's staff apparently were dismissive and unpleasant to the team that worked on it. Netflix, of course, denies this. Um, and then when it, because it was Holland's kind of last project, when it became a hit, Bajaria gets the credit for it. Oh, oh, that is. Oh, so this is like Disney. Oh, <laughs> kind yeah. of, kind of. Yeah. And I guess sort of in, in this, if you want to make this analogy, it is, it is a similar thing where you have a creative moving out and sort of being counter executives coming in and the, you know, pains <laughs> that result mm. in that. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, so Reed Hastings is the guy who founds Netflix. Ted Sarandos is the guy who kind of like runs it. And Cindy Holland, I guess, never had a problem saying what she thought and male executives are often not a fan of that. Oh, what? What? Crazy. It's amazing. So quoting from the article, uh, quote, important multi-hyphenates who work or have worked with Netflix say it was Holland rather than Ted Sarandos, then the chief content officer who gave Netflix its profile as home to a, as a home to buzzy quality shows. It was also Holland who warned Sarandos to no avail, 
that continuing to order specials from one of his comedy heroes, Dave Chappelle, would lead to internal strife and bad press. Yeah. Said one, quote, that service was built on the back of Cindy Holland. I could give you a list of names of people who would lie down on railroad tracks for her. Ted is a fan of content, not a picker. He's a cheerleader and a good cheerleader to a degree. So, yeah, just... Mm-hmm. It is a time of flux for the one-time industry leader. Um, and Holland, yeah, obviously, Sarandos goes from chief content officer to just kind of the man in charge and has less time for people who are not go team or aligned. We love that. We love, we love to talk about alignment. People who I aren't can... aligned with the corporate vision of the company. I can tell you in several different experiences working in different industries and companies, when people start to say that they really don't want people to be negative, it's like close. It's basically the downfall. <laughs> like what, because what it, it, what you're saying is the, the king doesn't want any dissenters. And sometimes you need, you need the people who will, say that's a stupid idea or that's you know we need to take a chance or this is the problem and when people are like oh we don't want problems we just want solutions we don't want problem I'm we don't like, want problem identifiers oh. kate we want problem solvers yeah it's just to me that's like i'm like oh it's time for me to leave <laughs> like i just that's just if you hear that if you're out there and you you're working in a company or in an industry where that's the big thing is we don't want we don't want you know, problems, we want solutions, now, um, get out. Now, to be fair, like I said, at the top, this is a story of two equally unsustainable business models. One being the Cindy Holland model, which is maybe more focused on quality, but also bleeds money. And on the other side, you have Bajaria kind of leading the infinite growth model, which is just like cheaper, unscripted shows. Your love is blinds. You're the ultimatums. <laughs> Yeah, but you, it's you, it, you snag we, some random episodes of old enough from the NHK. We need we need and we we know this from cable. You you need to have a balance, right? You know, when a channel yeah, it's cheaper to make and it still gets the buzz and all of that. But if you're if you're if that's your model, that's your only thing you're going for, then all of a sudden a lot of people who have been subscribed who give their good money every month are like, eh, well, I don't want reality TV, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who will never watch Love is Blind. It's just not my bag. And if it is, I'm, it's no shame on you. I, hey, we know the kind of trash I like. Um, but for me, it was the moment a show called Is It Cake showed up <laughs> on, my, on my tile. And I was like, I'm getting trolled right now. Netflix, you good? Like, <laughs> what? going on homie like and again, like a mix of that stuff i get it they're trying to cater to as many people as possible um but it just when you start to give up on expensive projects because they're just too expensive um or oh it's such a weird idea or it's out there then it, that's that's a problem too, right? Listen, it's got to be a balance. For better or for worse, more people watch The Big Bang Theory than subscribe to the Criterion channel. So yes, there's a balance that's got to be, you know, struck there. 
Um, and in a in a you know boilerplate response to this article, a Netflix rep did point out, um, and it's not verified or disputed here that like Squid Game and Lupin are Bajaria's came out under Bajaria's watch. That's the global side. Yeah. Right. Nobody could uh, would Squid Game have hit regardless wherever it ended up. Maybe. What was it just? a timing thing where it was just, you know, it was like tiger King again. It's like, we all just needed something to watch at the same time. Uh, maybe, but you know, give, give Bajaria her due. It's not just all, you know, reality TV trash. Um, masters concludes her article by just kind of musing about, uh, what might happen in the future for Netflix. Um, there have already been layoffs in the last week. um, is it possible Hastings will sell the company? Will they drop the binge model? Will they start an ad supported uh, option? There's been talk of bringing gains in. I don't know what that looks like. What if they just started doing visual novels? <laughs> They've already tested that shit out. Some of those Black Mirror shits were basically already kind of. What's that weird qu- quiz show they have? I've never checked it out. Have you? The weird quiz show. There's like a trivia show they have that I think is like kind of built around on the model of what was that one it like peaked and exploded within like six months but it was an app it was a daily trivia show oh i don't know anything about I this that one. netflix has some sort of trivia show on there right now it's been on my front page a couple times but you know they're obviously tweaking with the model and what they can do with the idea of streaming or dropping something on the same day you know they've tried sort of weekly talk shows and things like that and the problem is it's hard to do like, I don't, I think something like John Oliver works because the topics he talks about are so large, but like anything that's kind of frozen in Ember like that, like, like a talk show is harder to do. They've tried this a couple times. Remember Joel McHale, basically they tried to move the soup or a version of it to Netflix and that didn't really hit. Um, the chief of a rival company master says, uh, believes the streamer is still a behemoth. Quote, I don't think Netflix is blockbuster, he says. I think it's here to stay, but the idea that they could spend their way to world domination is over. Hmm. So there you have it. The game the game is changing in front of our eyes, Caitlin. That's always an interesting so thing to witness. Yeah. So there you go. That's my one piece of news. Or I guess more context. Hey, it was a beefy. It was a, it was a beefy piece, though. Maybe that's our beefy boy. Maybe that's. You can, you can always count on. <laughs> get... I can give you updates. So not going to be beefy. You can always count on at least one beefy boy coming through on an episode of the Geek Down. Kate, your updates are Slenderman. You said. Yes, very much so. Um, so basically, what happens when you rewatch The Expanse is that you don't watch anything else. Um, <laughs> We are now in season three. Uh, for those of you who have been with us and the watching the listening to the podcast for a while, uh, know that I stopped at season four, and then I, I can't remember if it was after season four or they got basically they got canceled at some point, picked up by Amazon. I think it, season four came out, and then it was going to be a wait for quite a while for season five, mm-hmm. and I just. I kind of knew what was coming and I knew it was going to be really um, 
anxiety laden <laughs> and I didn't, I was like, oh, we're in a pandemic. No. And then season six came out and I was like, nope, nope, pandemic. Nope. And, um, and then I was like, no, it's, it's time. And so we've done this rewatch and, but yeah, it, it's just, the show is amazing. It is probably one of my favorite shows of all time. Doing a second rewatch has been amazing because there's so much I didn't remember. Um, so I kind of have this sense of, of things to come or things are going to happen, but there are characters I don't remember and plot points I don't remember. So it's, it's been awesome. Um, but because of that, I have no need to watch anything else. Um, <laughs> even a certain anime that I'm actually really excited to, to watch, but um, maybe I'll get to it this week. Um, the only thing I did take a peek at was the fifth episode of Moon Knight. So this is the penultimate episode. Um, it was fine. I like episode four was much better. We are so, we are so unaligned on <laughs> what we think of this show. You just want the fucking mummy. And I am like, finally the show was what it should have been from jump. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and I get, I, I get, good. I get you can't, ju- I get you can't just start a Marvel MCU show, like in a mental institution. And going with the what is real, what is not, at least not with an unknown character. Like WandaVision kind of did that a little bit, but we all knew who Wanda uh, was and we knew her sitch a little bit. I, I'm sorry. You can absolutely do it. Um, what's it called? Oh, he's Xavier's son. Most powerful mutant. <laughs> Legion. Legion. Legion did it. Legion Le- was... Legion, Legion was- where wore its Marvel bona fides very lightly. It was not... Yeah. It was not, this is an X-Men show. It was very... Oh, maybe Marvel should take some notes. Very adjacent. And I don't know what kind of numbers <laughs> Legion did, but... I think they've got three seasons. That's pretty good. Uh, these days it is, at least. Um, I, gotta, I gotta go back to Legion, because Noah Hawley did it. The guy from... The guy who did Fargo, so... Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. So, I took a look at that. And then um, the only other thing was I mentioned it on the show, the 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 Webtoons app. Oh, yes. And the comic Lore Olympus. They took a six-month break, um, and it's back. So, I checked out the first couple of issues, I guess you call them, of that. Um, also, they have decided – They've. I realized – uh, once I saw, so Heartstoppers is this show on Netflix. Fucking um, hit, hit of the spring, y'all. And I realized I'd read the webcomic and I'm like, oh, Webtoons is their new place to mine content. It was for. a web, it was a webcomic first. Cause listen, yes, it ma- was. major Canadian retailer got hard copies that are just flying out of there. They come in, they go out. That's how. Yeah, and it's, and it's, I can tell you exactly why it's because it is cute. It is nice and it is cute and it is not, um, too heavy and it's nothing about, uh, a pandemic or, or being in a dystopian future or it's just nice. It's just a nice, cute story. Um, it's what we need right now. Uh, that and apparently the expanse, which is the complete opposite. Um, so yeah, so that is basically it. I have, there's nothing else. Well, see, you had more things. You had more things there than you made it sound like. Um, what do I have? Um, so as we said, keeping up on Moon Knight because 
I feel it turned into the show it should have been from the jump. Um, nice to know that's a penultimate episode. That's probably, that's a good spot. It should stop there. We don't need to milk. <laughs> we don't need to milk eight or nine out of this. Um, something I watched last night that just was someone cute that just came out is called I Love That For You. This is on HBO Max. No, what, I guess it would be HBO Max. It's a Showtime show, so, so it's on Crave. In okay. Canada, um, this stars Vanessa Bayer, who most people know from Saturday Night Live. It also stars Molly Shannon, who most people also know from Saturday Night Live, and uh, Jennifer Lewis, uh, who most people would probably know from Blackish. This goddamn icon. Um, and it's heavily pulled from Vanessa Bayer's uh, life. It's about a girl who uh, had survived leukemia when she was a teenager and gets a job. Pigeon swipe. First pigeon swipe. Oh, oh, stick, oh. Stick in hand. Oh, my God. Amazing. Reaching across. Not even his balcony. So, Can you imagine? So if folks just who, not- did not, who did not <laughs> listen to last episode and like, what is a pigeon swipe? Uh, basically, the uh, gentleman who lives uh, like in the apartment building across from Jordan, uh, he hates pigeons and children. And we have decided to count... I'm sorry. How many, how many pigeon swipes there I'm sorry, are? I'm sorry if you hate this bit, y'all, but it just it happens too much <laughs> to, to not call out. Can and you, it makes us really happy. Can you imagine if he knocks something off his neighbor's balcony when he's swatting, Ooh. swatting in a rage? That's going to be amazing. Um, okay, so yes, this is uh, the show. I love that for you. is heavily based on Vanessa Bayer's life about a woman, a young girl who survives leukemia as a teenager and ends up getting a job with like a home shopping network because that's her dream job and she ends up getting so the hook is she ends up getting the job um and sucking at it and it's i i don't know if it's we would call it a dark comedy or a comedy comedy or what but like she basically she's on like the 3 a.m spot and like there's been some conniving and backstabbing and some bitchiness with some of the other hosts and the product she thought she was going to be working with gets changed on her to some sort of like home fragrance or something. And when it gets sprayed at her, it's like, Oh, do you want to have a smell of it? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it gets sprayed at her and she like almost vomits. (laughs) It's like in her face and the, you know, the sales, the sales crash live on the air and they're going to fire her. And she basically lies and says she still has cancer. (laughs) Oh no. To keep the job. Um, because the whole thing running through the episode is like Jennifer Lewis, who plays the, the like, you know, network chief is like, what are you selling me? Basically like, what's your perspective? You know, I'm just a Southern boy raised on my mama's cooking and I just love, you know, well, whatever and you go to the next one. And she's like, I'm a mom of four and a loving wife. And it's just Rose all day, you know, basic bitch type chuggy stuff. <laughs> um, and her big speech at the end is like, you know, you're asking me what I'm selling you. Or like you know, what I'm trying to tell you, it's like I'm a survivor, blah blah blah, and just you know. So now she's lying. <laughs> she has this lie that she's living with about still having cancer. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of where the episode ends. So <laughs> we kind of we kind of came out of it just like that was darker than we expected. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll keep up on it. I mean, listen, Hacks is going to come back in a couple weeks, and that's going to <laughs> probably knock yeah. this, knock this show from whatever spot I had for it, but. It was an interesting watch. May get back to it uh, in, a, in, a dry, <laughs> in a dry period. There's never going to be a dry period. The content train just keeps moving. Um, Tokyo Vice finished up. That was a show that took a very long time to do very little. <laughs> oh. 
Sometimes that can be good, though. It's not a bad show. I feel like I've been just railing about Tokyo Vice this entire time, um, which is probably just me having a problem with Ansel Elgort. But um, if you were to look at if you were to look at what actually happened, plot wise, like three things happen, and it does. Like, listen, when the train gets rolling. And the real, like, Yakuza stuff starts happening in the last few episodes. It's like, okay, okay, here we go. It's still just hours, hours and hours mm-hmm. of content. But what it did do, Caitlin. Yes. It sent me back to the neon streets of Kamurocho. <laughs> fired up Yakuza Kiwami 2, which is like playing Tokyo Vice. And it's a lot more exciting. <laughs> it's like Tokyo Vice, but you can also uh, play darts or race slot cars or things like that. Or run a hostess bar, which we know is all I really want to do. Yeah, it's really, that should be the game. I want to play. <laughs> For me, it is. Kiryu, are you really going to spend all your time managing this hostess bar? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. Yes, I am. Other things. Let's do a brief uh, anime update of some of the things. That we were talking about last week. Comey Can't Communicate is back on Netflix for its second season. The first episode dropped on the 27th of April. Kate? Yeah. If you want to just jump ahead into season two, you probably could. <laughs> you'd see some okay. people. You'd see some people you wouldn't quite know yet, but I mean, it's Comey Can't Communicate. It's not a, it's not a real plot heavy show. Um, they introduce new, new charming weirdos and you just watch them all kind of bounce off each other. And it's very amusing. Um, heroines run the show are, are hit of the preview yeah. episode four dropped Kate. Yeah. I don't want romance on this show. No. I don't want romance. No. I don't need romance. I was romance wondering. Here. There's a, a, bit, a tiny bit in season three, in episode three, and I was like, mmm. Don't need romance mm. here. She, I mean, how would we, how's to say? Because she, the dream she has, basically, the only minor thing I'll spoil, she has a dream where she marries both of them. But it's both of them, <laughs> you know, like, but, and obviously she feels- Is this anime going to be brave enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Why do we have the, no the polycule one. we want? No, it's not it's not going to be the poly, the poly romance anime. You cowards. I do have to say, if we were looking at all the episodes from the shows we watched this week, Spy Family got many LOLs out of me this week. Oh, okay. As they, as they are headed for the entrance uh, interview. At the school, and the headmaster, who is very concerned with elegance, is both stymied and delighted by all the preparation that the Forger family has done <laughs> to deal with with everything, including uh, a farmhouse stampede. It was very, it's very revolutionary. Girl, Lutana, there were just cows running around everywhere. Oh my god! Yes, as, as they realized it wasn't a stunt to challenge and weed out people; it was actually like a like a disaster. Um. And it had its sweet moments too, and it just it got many. The number of LOLs it actually got out of me was very enjoyable. So, of the offerings, this week's Spy Family was the hit for me. And the last thing I want to talk about is actually something I forgot to talk about a few weeks ago oh. that I had watched. Someone cute had been watching it, and I kind of like walked into the room and was like, "What is this?" And she's like, "I don't know. I just found it." And I always meant to go back to it, and that is a show on Amazon, a three-part documentary called Fat Tuesdays or Fat Tuesday. And it is basically about the black comedy scene in L.A. Stand up centered around culminating and centered around 
a night at the comedy store, the, the iconic, uh, comedy club, the comedy store called fat Tuesday that ran in the nineties and was a huge, huge hit. Everybody went through there. Bob Saget crushed. (laughs) Interesting. Um, and kind of like inspired deaf comedy jam in a way. Deaf comedy jam was like one of the iconic, um, or was the iconic sort of black comedy series uh, in the nineties, which brought like Martin Lawrence and Chris Tucker and Bernie Mac and all those like Kings of comedy types. And it was a story I knew literally nothing about. I'd never heard of it before, but when you see the people, they get to talk about it like Steve Harvey, like JB smooth, like Tiffany Haddish, Snoop, uh, Chappelle, like all these people. And Chappelle was even like, I don't do a lot of interviews, but this story is too important. Like to not tell. And it was basically, it's also the story of kind of these two brothers, the Tory brothers. Um, one was who um, kind of became a hit as a comedian in the pre fat Tuesdays scene and kind of got over as an actor and his brother who by his own admission, he would say was not as talented, but uh, maybe had more discipline. Didn't wild out as much. Um, didn't go in for the life as much and really saw wanted to provide a place for these comics Hmm. to kind of hone their craft and get that shine. Cause the comedy store was like the spot. And they basically, they tried to put them in, they got them in like the back room, which sat like, you know, 90 people. And it just like immediately was instant sellouts every, every week. Um, and then moved them to like the main room, which sat like, you know, three, 400. And cool. it's just a fascinating story about, and also I love stories about like the mechanics of stand up and things like that. And they tell, they give like a little behind the scenes of the the greatest stand up performance ever, or the greatest night of stand up performance ever. To my mind, I love this story. It's basically about one episode of Deaf Comedy Jam, which is where Chris Tucker opens and destroys, like just crushes it, and that because he's super he's super energetic, right? Like he's Chris Tucker, yeah. he's got the high pitched voice, he's super energetic really loud. And then the next guy comes out and <laughs> this poor man, they don't, no one even knows his name. It's just like someone goes out after Chris Tucker and fucking bombs. Oof. And third, cause he couldn't like match the energy. And third on the card is Bernie Mac. And it's his first appearance on Def comedy jam. First, like real televised sort of thing. And if you look at like the jokes, the jokes themselves are okay. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that the first thing he does is go out and say, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> he tells a couple jokes and then he goes, kick it. And has the DJ like play a beat and he dances for a couple seconds and goes, you don't understand. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. And he does this again and again. And just, if you watch, I, I would recommend to anybody Look up Bernie Mac Def Comedy Jam and the way he just works this fucking crowd into a frenzy because he knows it's stacked against him. And to hear people who knew him telling a story in this doc about like who were there at the time at the taping. And he's just like, I did not come all the way from Chicago (laughs) to get eaten by these people. And just the way he wins them over and just holds them in his and works that crowd is just so masterful. And you're like yeah that's 
that is absolutely he was going to be in Ocean's Eleven, right? Like, he was... oh, I love I love stories. I just love stories. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even care what the subject is. Like, people keep on asking me about like, like, well, some people that I know and and know that I've sort of checked out some wrestling stuff um for the show they're like oh so you're like into wrestling i'm like no <laughs> I'm, I'm not into wrestling i'm into stories it's the same with, same way i feel like anime like if you were going to ask me the things i'm into i'm not into anime i just i really like stories <laughs> and they have some of the best stories and this is that like i said this is a great story about the people with all the people many of the people who were there from the security people the people who work security the people who were like bringing drinks to tupac when he would come by like you know like because everybody would come by basketball players movie stars casting agents who would like were like pick him because this was your shot right like at that time you didn't have youtube you didn't have anything that you had to like work the clubs and the casting agents would go out to the clubs to see who was like who had a good look and who who was reliable and who was on time and who could like you know who killed it on their set so they could, you know, put them in things and find new talent. And ultimately, very sweetly where it ends is so the comedy store has all these like people who have performed there, their names are painted on the uh on the outside of the building. So it's Letterman, Gary Shanling, Richard Lewis, Jay Leno, you know, everybody. Everybody who's ever done the store. Fun fact, store uh the comedy store kind of owned and operated by Mitzi Shore, who is Polly Shore's mom. Oh. Polly Shore is in the uh, doc as well, offering context into like how his mom viewed the night and how you know how she how he sh- how she supported it in her way. Um, and there's a like running theme through the third episode about like you know is your name on there? No, I never got my name on the on the side of the building. And it ends with Guy Tori, the guy who kind of hosted and founded Fat Tuesdays, getting all these people's names painted on the outside because it was the most successful night at the comedy store, even though right. these people aren't household names. Like the money they brought in and the sort of like excitement that they brought into the club further cemented that club's reputation and they deserve to have their names there. So like to watch JB Smoove like welling up. <laughs> Because his name is on the outside, is painted on the side of the comedy store now. It was very moving. It was re- it was really well done. Um, I don't remember who produced it. The Hudlin Brothers, I think. The Hudlin Brothers, along with Guy Tori, produced it. Story I knew nothing, nothing, nothing about. Never heard of it before. And it was super, super compelling. And it's three episodes. It's on Amazon. If you're into this stuff even a little bit, it's a, it's a very good hang. Awesome. With that, we'll talk about some more Amazon stuff when we come back from this break. We'll talk about Caitlin's selection, which is upload, which we will upload to your brains after this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the thing we brought each other. As Jordan said, this week it was my thing that I brought him, sort of last minute, um, and sort of for a weird reason, but we will get to that. Before we do, we've got some rules, and they actually apply this week. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the first rule is the rule of three. That is the rule that if the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them so that the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become, which I think does actually apply for once. Um, <laughs> but we will get to that. Um, the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That is the rule that we will not talk about the thing we have watched until we are sitting in front of these microphones so that you, our lovely audience, gets the hottest and freshest takes because no one wants a stale take. It's true. Uh, the third rule is not really a rule. It's just a policy is that there will be spoilers. This also, I think, applies. Um, not seriously. Like, I don't think... I don't think it's going to be like, oh, I can't believe they said that. Um, it's not like people writing articles about uh, movies that haven't come out yet where they're spoiling chunks of things in the title of the article. Not name names, but at the same time, stop. Wow. I know you people are listening to this podcast. Stop. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you don't like spoilers... Uh, unlike those people who are writing articles, I'm giving you a chance to opt out of listening to us spoil stuff. Um, you should just, um, you should go. You should go make yourself a snack. Maybe watch the thing and then come back. <laughs> um, and with all that being said, uh, the thing is uh, upload. And since I gave it to Jordan to watch, I will uh, just launch into it. Um <laughs> Upload is an American science fiction comedy drama television series. We know how much I like when a thing has like eight names. Um, And it was created by Greg Daniels. Um, Greg Daniels is known for a bunch of different things. Um, I feel like I might have brought him up when I was talking about the show last week. Um, But for those of you who have not listened to that, he uh, was part of the team who helped uh, rework the office, uh, office to the American version. Um, he worked on Parks and Rec. Um, he also co-created um, uh, Space Force, which got recently canceled. Bye. Um, yeah, so he's been, he's worked with Mike Judge. Um, so he's done a bunch of different stuff um, in comedy. Um, it The series premiered May 1st, 2020 on Amazon Prime. So Right now, it is in its second season, Um, but I didn't watch it back in 2020. Um, I only started watching it recently because a friend at work recommended it, Um, and I was like, you know what? Let me give it a try, and what happened was I got super addicted to it and watched way more than I meant to, um, which is one of the reasons I gave it to Jordan so we can talk about what I like about the show. Even if he didn't like it, maybe he can help me. Um, The premise is that in 2033, humans can upload themselves into a virtual afterlife of their choosing. When computer programmer Nathan Brown dies prematurely, he is uploaded to the very expensive Lakeview, uh, but then finds himself under the thumb of his possessive, still-living girlfriend, Ingrid. As Nathan adjusts to the pros and cons of digital heaven, he bonds with Nora, his living customer service rep. Nora struggles with the pressure of her job, her dying father who does not want to be uploaded, and her growing feelings for Nathan while slowly coming to believe that Nathan was murdered. Um, it has a pretty unknown cast, but I do really enjoy them. 
uh, Robbie Am- Amel. I don't know him from anything else. Uh, he plays Nathan. Andy Allo is uh, Nora. Um, uh, Allegra Edwards is Ingrid. Um, the one person I knew from this was uh, Nora's best friend and work or coworker, uh, Alicia, um, is played by uh, Zainab Johnson, who is an amazing stand-up comedian um, and is hilarious. And I'm like, really, we just need a show about her character. Um, fun, or just a vehicle for Zainab. Fun fact. Yes. Andy Allo in Prince's Band. Oh, really? She was in the new power generation. Huh. Way back Good when. Good to know. Um, anyways, there's a bunch of reoccurring characters. Again, not very many people. I don't think there's anybody that I, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, it like I said, it was weird. I, I watched the first episode and I was like, uh, it's okay. I watched the second episode. I went, oh, okay, maybe it's better than I thought. And I watched the third episode and was like, uh oh, and then I watched like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh episode, and now I'm on season two. Um, and if it wasn't for the expanse, I'd probably be done. Uh, so Jordan, oh, I guess I should, I, I before Jordan talks, sorry, Jordan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should say, so I, I talked about the premise, but I didn't really talk about the, the tone. It reminds me a little of The Good Place, it is not nearly as good of a comedy, um, but it has these moments of darkness that I really enjoy, and they do come m- more frequently as the series goes on. Um, it also it also does a couple things I didn't expect, um, and I like that this digital heaven, as they call it, is not even close to perfect. Like it is really messed up. <laughs> Um, and I kind of enjoy that as well about it. Um, so that being said, Jordan, what did you think? I'm trying to find a softer version of the phrase noble failure, because I don't think the show is a failure at all. And over the course of the three episodes, I did find myself getting more invested primarily because of Nora, which I think the show realizes Maybe the show didn't know it at the start. Definitely knows by episode three that Nora's the reason we're here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if they meant for Nathan to be as douchey as he is. He's he's still very fuzzy to me as a character. Right. I don't know if he's just a hot dummy, <laughs> a good-hearted dummy, or if they really thought he was more compelling than he is. But the show seems to realize very quickly that Nora is the reason to invest in anything in this show. Um. That's it. Yes, Caitlin mentioned it. Um, there is a giant forking elephant in the room regarding this show. That is The Good Place. Not just because it is a more sharply written comedy. Um, it's also tighter because it was a half hour versus the hour these episodes are. Caitlin. What? Was a little are they an hour? I was a little annoyed with you. <laughs> oh, I didn't know they were an hour. So, I thought they were half an so, hour. Someone was into the show so much she didn't even realize the runtime. <laughs> She hits me. Ooh, she hits me on Thursday night with like these episodes go, but they're really oh. fast. They're really short. I fired that first one up. It was fifty five minutes. I was like, "You mother!" Oh no! Caitlin. I'm so sorry. Oh, ouch! Um, now do they go bad? Do they go by faster than Tokyo Vice? Yes. Um, <laughs> but. I think where the show stumbles, like I said, the good place is tighter because it's half an hour 
and it is only concerned with like what it is what is good <laughs> that, that is the concern of the good place what is a good person I right. mean, what, what was what was the philosophy book that Mike Shore was fascinated with that gets mentioned a bunch of times in the show? Like, what does it mean to be good, or what do we, what does it mean? You know, what do we owe each other? That's what it was, and that's the kind of thesis of the show over the four seasons. Mike Shore read this book once called. He actually has a philosophy book, a book out that gets filed in the philosophy section. That's kind of about what was on his mind when he was writing the Good Place, and kind of like a book report on what he was reading when he was working on it. Right. Um, which I might be interested to go back and see, but I know there was a book called what do we owe each other that kind of forms like the thesis of the, the entire show upload is trying to do satire at the same time. And that's where I find it lands the flattest. There's like a scene where there's an old Chappelle show sketch about like, you know, what if the internet was real life and the same jokes from that sketch from you know 20 years ago are still, in this show, like with the pop-up ads, the orbits, <laughs> the guy, the yeah. guy, the guy with like the cigarette tray. Now, granted, again, that really graded on me on the first episode. By the third episode, I didn't notice that shit happening as much. So right. maybe they were learning as they go. The show is definitely on an upward trajectory. Like I will say, yes. What starts off is like this is kind of lame. By episode two, you're like that's a little less lame. By episode three, you're like, okay, this is maybe you got something here. Um. I mean, not to spoil like kick punches or anything, I will probably stick with it because I don't think the seasons are very long. Um, is it just the two and done? Or are they coming back for a third or? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Um, yeah, I don't think there's been any news about that. I don't know how this uh, ends up, like how the episode ends up uh, or sorry, the season ends up. Um, I am going to say, though, season two, it's not as compelling. It's probably one of the reasons why. The Expanse superseded. <laughs> Caitlin, um, Caitlin, yeah. to, to that, I have a question, which may yeah. answer why you're so into this show. Is the mystery solved by the end of season one? No. <laughs> because the second. Oh, may- maybe. The second, the mystery of like, okay, so the story of Nathan, aside from his fuzziness or whether he's just a cute you know, douche or not. Is him and his partner were working on essentially they're both programmers. When's the show set? Twenty thirties or something? Twenty thirty three. It was very very ambitious. Um, I I always th- I'm like why can't you guys people just set things in like twenty like twenty five hundred like just uh, we don't need uh, we know we're not going to have flying cars. They, like, w- just- they wanted to make that uptown funk joke, uh, <laughs> but him and his partner are working on essentially like the free version of an upload. Yeah. Cause this is what the show is also saying about, you know, the, the evils of commerce and, uh, you know, pay for play healthcare and things like that. And, you know, when you see, I think it's in the third episode, Nora going to work and there are protesters outside saying that like upload is a basic human. Right. Um, and you also have the character of Nora's father who is like, and the show hasn't grappled with this super hard yet. We're just like, is this a thing we should even be doing? Maybe it does. Yeah. And it, maybe it, it does start to lean into that. Maybe it grapples into that more along. Cause also by the third episode, you learn about what do they call them? The two gigs. Yes. Because it's also tied to <laughs> imagine if your afterlife was, um, 
structured the same way as your cell phone plan, basically. So your consciousness still gets uploaded. You are essentially still living, but everything you do in your afterlife uses data. Mm -hmm. And you either have the unlimited or tiered version, which Nathan has as financed by his, uh, horrible, horrible, uh, was she a fiance or just a girlfriend? Um, she, uh, just a girlfriend. (laughs) Well, it's, it's because she's like, she's when he gets uploaded, basically it, the kind of the thought is like, they'll be together forever. So even though they, he hasn't proposed or anything. Right. It's like this, this, they're more than just girlfriend, boyfriend, which also is, it's that, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty freaky to the idea of like someone owning someone else. And also to be noted, he's, so he gets in a car crash with his self-drive, you know, his self-driving car stops listening to him. And this is the for, uh, aforementioned mystery where it becomes clear over the course of at least the first, first three episodes and probably more so as we go along that, well, it's basically said when he encounters the Choke brother, not to be confused with the Koch brothers. Um, yeah. You know, a very rich, um, white Republican hedge fund manager slash, you know, political fixer um, who lives across from him. And he's telling him, you know, kind of his story. And what he was working on when he was alive and the old guy just goes, Oh, so you were murdered. He's like, yeah. He's like, what? what? No, I was in a car crash. He's like, yeah, you threatened a like, you know, whatever billion dollar industry. Sure. You weren't murdered. <laughs> and that was darkly funny as he goes back to his, you know, palatial estate. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> nobody ever gets murdered. anymore. <laughs> um, which introduces, <laughs> The investigator who actually isn't an investigator. It's just his cousin so, who's, really, who's really good at crossword puzzles. And I'm like, oh, hi, Caitlin. So here's my thing. And and this is a spoiler. She does not appear yet in season two. And I am... Uh, maybe that's why I'm not as interested. Because I just bought the series with the Alicia character played by Zaynab Johnson. And this, like, quirky, she weird... The sister, Bo- it's the sister Boniface of Upload. Yeah, but but not even nearly as clever. She's just a weird. Well, she actually is pretty clever. She gets some stuff done. She investigates. She actually gets some information. But um, she's just a weirdo, and I love her. Um, it's yeah. I don't. This actress Elizabeth Bowen. I don't even. She plays Fran Booth, who is his cousin, and she just. I I love her so. I wanted to see way more of her. I was like, I don't need anything about Nathan, the <laughs> main character. I just need Nora, Ing- uh, Nora, Alicia, and uh, and the weird cousin. That's all I need in my life. I low-key want Nora to be best friends with all of his exes that she was hanging with at the funeral. <laughs> yeah, they all seem like uh, delightful, delightful people. Um, yeah. But, uh, and obviously, clearly, we're working towards a you know love story between the soul of Nathan and Nora as well. Um, which as much as I was like, no romance and heroines run the show. I'm not averse to the romance here. Um, but again, the show is trying to do a bunch of different things and not all of them. Well, but not to such a detriment that I'm like out on it. 
I mean, I'm sorry. I legit thought this series was half an hour. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, like half an hour. Like that's a good, um, I guess I just was in a hole where I was just, yep. One more episode, one more episode. <laughs> um, because I just, I, and I, but the thing is I can't figure out why I liked it so much because it was almost the exact same trajectory as you. Like at first I was like, ah, oh, it's okay. And then like by the third episode, I was like, oh, actually, you know, definitely one more episode. And then I just couldn't stop. I think, um, I think for me, it was like every episode they added something that was a little Black Mirror adjacent. Right. That made it interesting. Like, so Nora is a, a quote unquote angel. She's basically customer service. She's tech support. Um, and as her subplot is emerging. So like I said before, like the show kind of starts to grapple with this idea of if we should even be doing this, Nora wants her father to get uploaded. He doesn't want to because his wife, Nora's mother passed before upload was invented. And as he says, and is repeated multiple times in the show, how can there be a heaven without your mother in it? He's not interested in that. Um, which has put stress on their relationship and she still wants to finance this, but to finance it, she needs like, uh, it's like an insurance sort of thing with, with the company, but she's got to have a certain, you know, star rating. Yeah. You're you're rating all your, all your transactions with your angels. And it's like her shitty boss is like, you know, you're at a, you're at a 4.5, you need a 4.8 or something before I'll sign this. And so, the episode is focusing on kind of like her various, you know, transactions that she's doing with the people in the upload. And one of which is this kid who died when he was 11 and he's like wiling out. Cause he's like, he can't get through to his best friend. Um, you know, none of these computers work. I can't get through to him. And she's like, well, I'll call him IRL and you know, see if we can work this out. And <laughs> the kid's like, he was my best friend when I was 11 I'm 18 now. Like, I don't want to yeah. talk about Pokemon anymore. Um, and that's rough. But also, yeah. the kind of, like, real, if you thought experiment this shit, yeah, of course that's going to happen. Um, and the kid, the 11-year-old, just, like, refuses to believe it. And is, like, you know, threatening her with a low rating for this, you know, transaction until she just kind of, you know, lies and is like, yeah, no, it's it must be something our, on our end. It's our fault type of thing. Because she'd rather just lie and not break the kid's heart, then tell him that his best friend is now 18 and a gross weight male. And yeah. So there would be something like that in every episode that would make you go, Oh, okay. Or the, you know, needlessly gory, uh, download sequence at the start of the third episode oh my God. where they toy. There's somebody I recognize just a creed from the office for coming back for a cameo. <laughs> Playing the first billionaire to try to re-download himself into a oh yeah that is who it is Oscar Mayer printed body what was it Oscar Mayer Intel is that what they again yeah, the sad the satire is kind of clunky sometimes uh, when they talk about when they're you know, so you're talking about corporate mergers you're talking about tech doing things that it probably shouldn't be do- doing you're I talking about cloning the, it was like Taco Bell Amazon something or Taco Bell like it was I, that one I laughed at. And yeah, so they try, everybody's what everybody on earth is watching this like first download and it works for a second. And then his like head explodes. Um, 
And again, these are all, they spend time with the little like thought experiments that kind of stretch out from this kernel of an idea of like, if you could upload your consciousness, what does that mean? Are you still you? How does you, how do you finance it? Like, you know, going back to what we were saying about like the, the two gigs, which are like the people who, you know, are just on the most basic, basic plan. They are alive, but they don't get to read a full book. Yeah. <laughs> like one lean cuisine, uh, finances the cafeteria. So they get to eat, but it's like weird food that they're testing. Um, some people can't afford clothes, uh, things like that. And it's alluding to the fact that this is, you know, Nate needs a purpose. So his purpose might be going forward, finding a way to help the, uh, the two gigs, mm -hmm. which is probably going to chafe against his, uh, you know, very wealthy and horrible and status hungry, uh, girlfriend slash fiance. But like I said, there's enough going on and the central mystery about like, you know, Yes, he was clearly murdered. His partner obviously had something to do with it. Because um, he's, he's Chekhov's, uh, you know, company partner, corporate partner. Yeah. He's there at the beginning and then doesn't show up at his funeral and nobody knows where he's at. Like, okay. And somebody is clearly deleting stuff from his memory files that he, like, can't remember anymore in his in his upload. But, um, yeah. So, like, it's an interesting show. And I think, I don't know, when you said this came out 2020, I thought it came out way earlier than that. Uh, no, that's what it said. Huh. First, originally released May 1st, 2020. Time is a flat circle, y'all. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what it got consumed by in the disco at the time, but it's like, I knew it was out, but I think it was just like, oh, it's a good place knockoff. And it is to an extent, but it's doing it's like good place in space force had a baby to be honest. And the satire doesn't always land, but the Nora character is very charismatic and is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Yeah. Um, even just a little, I like the fact that everybody kind of like projects their phone out of their hand. Like, yeah, that's probably yeah. common. Honestly. I mean, it's, Nora is doing all the heavy lifting here for me. If she was not in the show, I would be much less interested, both the character and the actress. I think she's, she's not like, again, it's the benefit of having an unknown. Sometimes we've talked before about how I've like, you know, sometimes I can't help, but see if I, not that I ever would, but if I was going to watch space force, I'm like, Oh, that's Steve Carell doing a thing. Right. I don't know who Andy Allo is. So when I watch it, it's just Nora. Yeah. Um, so there's something to be said for that. And it's, it's not boofing enough things to keep me from watching it. You know, like Tokyo Vice wrapped up. There's a hole in the <laughs> winning time going to wrap up this week. There's going to be some holes in the rotation, right? So something's got to slide Don't in. Start watching. Didn't start watching the expanse yet. <laughs> Save it for the summer. Save it for the summer. Um, Something's got to slide into those spots in the rotation. So upload will probably continue on. Um, it's doing enough to keep me interested and not failing hard enough to put me off completely. So it's like a seven and a half for me. Okay. So like, it's weirdly also a seven and a half for me, <laughs> even though I loved it or I guess I loved it so much. It's one of those weird things that I didn't expect to love so much and I'm not mad at it. I just... I was like, but why? And maybe it, you know, it's something to 
characters. I definitely agree that Nora is of the two main leads. She is the standout. Um, and you are, just, and you are right. Her friend, her friend is uh, Alicia is also the two of them together. Any scenes with the two of them together, just kind of shooting the shit at work. It was like, you just give me a workplace comedy with those two. And that would be, yeah, I'd be fine with that. Basically. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that is on Amazon. It is. Currently going through season two. I believe so far there are seven episodes in season two. I don't know if that's it. I didn't see anything about it, them having a shorter season, but at least right now there are seven episodes. Um, and yeah, like I said, also seven and a half for me. Um, I will update when I get through season two. I'll let you know if it's still if it's still uh, that high. Um, I think probably the mystery in the first season did have something to do with it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's there if you if you want. Friends, like we said, this is kind of a sleeper. I know ne- I never heard it get mentioned much in uh in my disco circles. But if you uh if you check it out, let us know what you thought of it on Twitter at GeekdownPod. Get up off Twitter. Otherwise, we are going to put a pin in it here, friends. Thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. on a diet of garden sticks all day and burritos suddenly suddenly your body's like we need water <laughs> why do you make it stupid cells are like <laughs> hydrate us get this caffeine and shut up <laughs>